Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Hey, I'm Mike Massaro, and we recently did a live streamed version of one of our free 633 events. The following is what took place at that event. So here's part three of Pastor Michael with guest professors and myself at the event called Navigating the Times. I'm going to try to make this generic uh, as it it's, was sent from somebody in California, but it, it will apply to other states and other parts of the world as well. If, if the governing bodies uh, don't allow, I'll say, churches to hold uh, in-house services, how will the church respond? And uh, if they do allow in uh, in-house services and then decide that there's a spike and we're going to call it off again, how, how is the church, how should we respond in that situation? <laughs> how are you going to respond in that situation, Pastor Michael? Well, first of all, I, I would say, you know, the May 31st date is a date that churches that are united uh, together to reopen the church have decided upon whether or not we get the blessing from the governor. Uh, that's the whole point. It's, uh, it's going to fall on Pentecost Sunday. It's the church standing together to make its voice known. Now, I think every church that is opening its doors and uh, is praying for the governor and praying that his heart would be turned uh, to look at the church in a favorable fashion. And in fact, I was sharing with a group a little bit before we started that some churches have submitted 16-page documents with every detail that they're going to take to be careful. And so, Mike, you know, to go back to the question, uh, of course we're praying that, you know, no cases spike and, and that kind of thing, but we're taking measures as well, just like a big box store would take. And I want to go back to something about essentiality because there was a pastor who said, we're making a mistake if we're just trying for the government to see us as essential as Walmart or Home Depot. In fact, we are beyond that, right? Because we are ministering to the soul, and so for us just to say, well, we want to be treated the same as a box store, whatever that store may be, uh, could be a mistake, according to this one pastor, because it's kind of us settling for being on par with a store instead of being who we really are, which is we're ministering to the deepest needs of the soul. So that's something for us to think about. But uh, I don't want to skirt the question. We've decided to open on May 31, but our prayer is that it will be in concert with the Lord turning the governor's heart favorably. So we'll start with Jim, and then we'll come back down. Um, first of all, may, maybe kind of putting it on a personal note, um, the church needs to be the hands of Christ to these people, and people need that. This is a time when people feel very lonely. Um, I, I can't say much of the details, but one of my students... Um, I have a blessing of teaching at multiple venues, including at universities, including at churches, who had a very difficult situation. And this is a time she did not need to be alone, and she felt very alone. And so that's a real dynamic that's out there. That's part of the ministry of the church that, that has to be engaged with, with this. And so that's one thought. I, I won't mention the company, so this is the next point, but a company which you would be very familiar with, but I don't necessarily need to point out a company name, said that we're going to open. And what did the, the government do? They said, okay, they gave them 
the ability to do that. They, they actually, like I said, maybe the idea of a policy where we've never done this before, we have to sort of engage in, in all these different sectors of working together and say, hey, this is our plan. You mentioned people submitting a very detailed plan. Um, others, I, I, I know at least one couple going to a church that says, we're just going to wait for the government. That, that's a perfectly fine alternative, but it's one alternative. And like Pastor Michael, the, one of the things I want people to be thinking about is, are, are they diligently searching the, the scripture? What are the theological premises? And how do I come up with this, this argument for my congregation and stuff like that? Each one of us that the Lord is calling us to, to go through that process. And so those are things that I would want people to be thinking about focusing on process and how I come to that decision and think of the realities. I think, uh, first of all, we need to recognize that when we talk about authorities, inherently with their office, they are not meant to be our enemies. They are meant to be instruments in the hands of God. And as people who know the Lord, we have a greater responsibility to pray for them. We must be praying, and this is a pleading that I'm going to make to all our listeners, that pray for your magistrates uh, in the law office or high office. Pray that the kingdom of God may come to their offices, into their mind, that they would come up with wise decisions that would impact everyone. Um, with regards to uh, should we actually go ahead and start our churches, this is what I would say. We need to recognize that God was not surprised with what, what had happened, right, with this coronavirus. And he'll not be surprised with what's going to happen in future. What is necessary is that we continue to have and regain our prophetic voice in the culture. That's necessary. That's something we have lost. We have inst institutionalized everything, right? What church used to do earlier times, now we have institutions to do it. Now church is seen as unnecessary not a necessity, right? People who are not in the church, they would never understand the need for the church. It is us who recognize the need of the church, so we need to proclaim that. It's necessary that we actually declare as to what our presence makes, the difference that it makes in our culture, in our society. If that happens, when next time it happens, we'll have a better place in terms of making our views known. Amen. Yeah, so I mean, I agree with my colleagues here. Um, so one thing that I, I kind of wanted to jump back to the end of that last question about whether or not church is essential. Um, I think she said whether or not attending church is essential. And I'd say, yes, at some point it is. But I also want to emphasize that the church, if, if we are, even when we're not congregating, the church never ceases. The church is because it's a metaphys it's I'm going to use a big word here. The church is the is all men, women, children throughout space and time, the mystical body of Christ knit together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That never goes away even when we are locked alone in a dungeon prison somewhere by ourselves. We are still with the church and the church is with us. Okay? So, yes, it's important to be in a building and congregate, because that's important for our embodied life as a church. But we are part of a great reality that will never go, will never end, right? The body of Christ. So even if we're at home, there are ways we can be doing church. Just in your, just praying 
to the Lord in your devotional life or praying for your relatives, friends, and family members, you are participating in the life of the church. So yes, it's essential. And with regards to the question now of actually attending, because we are also an embodied church, we're in a particular place, a particular time, even in particular physical bodies, I would say this, what, with regards to church is, what, you know, and I know Jacob has taught on this here at, at Living Truth, you know, we're moving into an honor-shame culture. Yes. Uh, Jacob has really done a good job of pointing this out. Amongst churches, let's be charitable. Let's know that some churches are opening, some are not. I, I serve at another church, very large church in the area. They're not opening. They're going to wait. But let's be gracious enough to allow the pastors and the board of elders for each congregation to make the choice that they know is best for their flock so that they can lead them well. And then this, let's leave it at that and go forth. This isn't a dog, doctrinal issue. All right. With that honor and shame, just let me just ask, uh, just add one thing as a, as a reminder for Americans. Um, as you may see, we're no more engaged with people. We, or we no more engaged with ideas. We engage with people. And when they give or say an idea towards you or respond to your ideas or argue against your ideas, you shame them because they have affected your honor now. Right? And one of the things that usually happens when you get into an honor-shame structure is that you isolate those who oppose you. And believe me, if, the, if things are going to go the way they are, and we are already seeing examples where people are being asked to report about their neighbors <laughs> as to what wrong they are doing. Yes. Right? This is a reflection of an honor and shame culture. And you don't want that. You've got to maintain your religious and civil liberties. And to do that, let me call on you to be Daniels. Pray, but make sure that you open your windows. And that, that's a prime example of, let me just reiterate some foundations here. The government is supposed to promote good and stem the tide of evil. The government, according to Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, has delegated authority from God. And so, and there are examples like Daniel who, would, who refused to obey the edict and continued to pray. He told Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4.27 to repent of his sin and to begin to do good. And Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen. And so there are examples of prominent prophetic voices in right in the governmental courts and God using them. And they took stands when they needed to. But they also had on lesser things, they had to kind of go with the flow because of the situations that they were in. So I would say this is where we need the wisdom and the tension is sometimes there biblically. And it's good for us to go to our Bibles, to go to prayer, to use our minds and to make sure that we're ferreting through the issues the right way. And if there is any confusion about should Christians engage in politics, let me ask you to open your Bibles and read about John the Baptist. He is uh, uh, he's bringing a biblical ethics to a pagan king and getting killed for that. So that's the best answer. <laughs> that might not be the best example. <laughs> we had a pastor who said, uh, he said a friend of his used to say, hey, Pastor, you have a ministry just like John the Baptist. And he said, how so? He goes, every time you speak, somebody wants to cut your head off. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few, a few weeks ago, uh, for uh, those of you that live in California or maybe watch the news, um, we, had a, we had a warm weekend. A lot of people went to the beach. Uh, our governor didn't like that. He saw the, he saw the news on, on the TV. And by the following week, those beaches were closed. Uh, other churches in the, in the area are planning to do that as well, I understand. 
Gavin Newsom sees that on TV, next week, churches are closed. I don't know how much more clear I can make it. If you hold in-house church services, there will be consequences. Mm -hmm. Pastor Michael, as the pastor of Living Church Christian Fellowship, I'll put you on the spot. You came up with this all on your own (laughs) to stir the waters. Are you going to be arrested? Are you going to go out there and uh, throw yourself at the mercy of the governor? Well, this is where we're praying that the Lord would turn his heart. And and none of us have that wish. Uh, None of us have a desire to be a spectacle, just to be a spectacle. Uh, That's not our heart. our desire is to minister to God's people. And so right now we feel like this is the time when we need to open the doors to God's people worshiping corporately and being ministered to by the leadership here, but by the body one to another. And so I just say, my great desire, Mike, is that uh, the governor sees that we're doing things in the right way. We've taken the precautions, just like was mentioned with a business. We're, we're trying to do it in concert with them, not against them. We're not, we're not trying to go willy-nilly here. We're going to take extra measures. That's what we've decided to do, to be safe, to keep the numbers and the distance right, to have the face coverings, even though a lot of us might prefer not. Uh, so we're doing everything to care for our people because we want to demonstrate that we have great care uh, for our people because we love one another and we have respect for the governing authority. So, uh, you know, my, my answer would be that my prayer would be it would not, would not come to that because we're doing all things well. Okay. Well, Mike, I think there'd be something there that would be, would have to discern is, is there a discrepancy between how the churches are being treated and other venues that are of a similar size or nature? You know, maybe not religious venues or Christian venues. Because then if there is a discrepancy, then we start seeing something uh, like what Pastor Michael was talking about, where our, our church is being targeted specifically because of uh, their Christian faith. And that's different than a blanket right, uh, restriction on all you know, groups of such and such a size. And that's where, I just think, again, we're trying to be prudent here and discern if there's a discrepancy against churches or maybe even for churches. Pastor Michael, have you considered holding church in Walmart? No, but I was, that's I was, the answer right there. But I was thinking of the beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as, from what I understand, we can have it on the wet sand and as we're walking, <laughs> right. but not on, the dry sand. Just not on the dry sand. You just got to keep, keep moving. Keep moving. Right. Okay, okay, so the next question is, uh, what, do you, what do you gentlemen believe, and, and I'm going to uh, see if you can tap into the mind of God here, what do you believe God is calling us to do as Christians during this pandemic? Well, some of the things that I think is, um, Pastor Michael mentioned it in a couple of his sermons, just uh, this idea it's a time of prayer. And I've heard it from other um, pastors saying that the, the same thing is like our life, like it or not, is having to slow down. So that's a, the first dimension is like, first of all, God is in control in amazing ways that things um, at the government level, at the sector level, at the institution level, at the family level, so many things have just been put on pause. You know, some people don't know where their next paycheck is coming from, and so it's a, it's a, a lot of different things. Um, God is not, God is really likes to get our attention, and I think he's gotten a lot of people's attention in a way that we would never have thought was possible. And so from a spiritual perspective, I think there's going to be a lot of fruit that's going to come out of this. So. Are, are we in tune to know what the Spirit is really doing? 
so I think that's an, uh, one of the dimensions that's really important for us to be thinking about this, this Jim, time. Jim, those are great points. And, and I just want to add something to that. And that is, and this is something that I've been saying from the pulpit, is that I think our first responsibility as a church is to look within. And we, you know, we may have some questions about eschatology tonight, the end times. Is this a sign of the end times? We may, you know, have questions about, you know, the the what's the cause of the pandemic and i've made some comments about that that i don't really know i just know that god's allowed it but i think the first responsibility of us as believers is to look within and ask the question if if things have been put on pause and taken taken away from us and for me it'd be golf tournaments and sporting events and uh, things like that i have to begin asking questions like okay if these are things that i miss so much why do i miss them so much and have they taken a place of preeminence where they don't belong? I mean, that's one thing that I've tried to look at in terms of just, you know, what is God calling us to do? To look within, to look at my own heart. When Israel was uh, judged directly by God, God was calling upon them to do some soul searching and to repent. And I would say that's even a New Testament comment, uh, uh concept in Revelation 2 and 3 when Jesus walks among the churches and assesses them and calls upon them to repent of things that are not right. And so I think that would be part of my answer is what's God calling us to do as Christians? First, look within, look at your own heart. We can talk about going, reaching out as well, but I think that's one major thing. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, so I think it's about time in any apologetics event to draw forth the uh, the classic wisdom of C.S. Lewis. Oh, let's do it. So I have uh, a few points to make. I've, I've had the fortune of teaching through Screwtape Letters uh, right at this time of global pandemic. And, you know, Lewis has, now if you know the premise of Screwtape lever, le, uh, Letters, it's an older devil giving wisdom to a younger devil who's trying to tempt a Christian man away from God. And Lewis is writing this in the middle of World War II. And the Great War is referenced. The great war for the devil is almost like a, a marginal thing. I mean, this is World War II. And Lewis has the devil kind of, like the younger devil's all excited. Oh, there's a great war. People are going to be dying. Like it's, it's a huge thing. And, and Wormwood, uh, Screwtape, the older devil's like, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not as, uh, as much to our benefit as you think. What's more important is still the subtle daily temptations mm -hmm. that we can work on the human soul in the privacy of his own home or when he's with his close friends and family members. The war, wars can, wars can bring people to God. Pandemics can bring people to the Lord. They can draw forth great virtue. So watch, watch your heart in this time when you're alone, if you're alone a lot, like Jim talked about some of the emotional struggles we could be having. Temptations can come at a time when uh, we think there's this big horrible evil out there but that could just, that's, in some sense for the devil, that's a fake out. Because he's still working on just the, the common things that we deal with every day in our character, in our walk with the Lord. Now, the second point I'll make is a lot of the things that we should be doing in light of this are the same things we were doing. Or we should have been doing. Or we should have been doing. I mean, there, there will be things that maybe this will wake us up to. But there are things that we should maintain as well. And I'll, I'll give my C.S. Lewis quote. First he, first he says, and this is called, I'm living in an atomic age but you could replace atomic age with coronavirus age. It says, first of all, don't be concerned about the novelty of this. I mean, we've been dealing with pandemics and wars, I mean, since the church is old, 2,000 years. And then he says this, and I'll pass it on after that. He says, 
So after, if, refrain from exaggerating the novelty of the situation. And then he says, if we are all going to be destroy, destroyed by an atomic bomb, I'll say coronavirus, let that virus, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Maybe not a pint here. <laughs> not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about viruses. Again, I'm inserting viruses. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our mind. In other words, we'll deal with the reality of coronavirus the way the church has dealt with all kinds of plagues and pestilences. But let it not dominate our mind. Right? Mm. We'll deal with it, but let our life still be, our inner life still be one dedicated to the yeah, Lord. That's, that's good medicine. Jacob? Um, there are a few things that I would add to that, and I completely agree with you. Um, I sense that God is doing an amazing thing. There is a seismic shift that's happening. Uh, I call it the 9 11 of culture. Uh, in the midst of that, one thing remains that God expects us, I believe, scripturally, not just to live in light of resurrection but also in, in light of his ascension and cessation of the right hand of God. That he is king over all things, over all of our life. And if that's not demonstrated, this is a time to reflect on it and to know, is Christ really Lord over everything that I do? If not, if we make him the Lord of our lives, I believe we will never cease to be the salt of the earth and light of the world. We've got to continue in doing that. And Amen to orient our life and all aspects of it in light of eternity. Mm. That's what is necessary. We, uh, we were outside praying before this event, and uh, a brother, uh, I won't name his name, said to me, you know, he, he brought up 9-11, and he said, my concern is that when the church comes back and we have some new faces perhaps, that we don't do the 9-11 thing, and prayer meetings have swelled, and everybody's excited about the Lord, and then we kind of just go back to our old ways. So I think another thing that we need to be thinking about is that we need to use this as a pivot point, uh, not to go back to business as usual when we've had a few weeks where we're back as the church, and now it's just kind of, you know, well, whatever, maybe we'll go to church, maybe we won't. You're listening to Navigating the Times Part 3 on Walk in Truth, our recent live stream 633 event. There's actually more of this event you can watch, so subscribe to our Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Visit walkintruth.com and click on church. That's walkintruth.com and click on church. And then don't forget to click on the bell after you subscribe to the YouTube channel because then you'll be notified every time Pastor Michael goes live, like this Sunday. We've been live streaming our Sunday morning services at 10, so come join us. Again, you can find the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel when you visit walkintruth.com and click on church. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Hey, if you've been intrigued by the content of our 633 event called Navigating the Times, there's more. We can't always put the whole uh, sermon or the whole content on radio, but you can interact with the rest. And I'm sure you want to, because this is really interesting and provocative stuff. And the way you access this is to go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, and you'll find our videos. And you can f watch any of our messages, but you can watch this special 633 event and watch the full content that we're, we weren't able to air in its entirety on the radio. So check it out today, walkintruth.com. Click on church and you can even subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can get alerts on all future messages that are streamed on YouTube.
Well, hey, I want to take a moment on behalf of the staff of Walk in Truth to thank you for your financial partnership and whatever you're able to give to this ministry. We are both humbled and grateful for all of you who have responded to partner with us. And it, you know, it tells us something, brothers and sisters. And, and I'll tell you, we're in a studio, we're, we're putting content out and we're praying and we want to honor God, but we don't always know <laughs> what's happening out there where you are. But when you respond with a, an email saying, hey, I'm blessed by the ministry, when you give feet to your faith by giving to us, I'll tell you, it means the world to us more than we could tell you. And it means that we have opportunities to both continue what we're doing and potentially expand what we're doing. And I'll tell you, um, as someone who is the main teaching voice on this program, it is my passion to see this ministry go everywhere the Lord wants to take it. And if he wants to take it around the globe, that's what we want to do. And he's big enough to do it, but he uses his people to partner with us. Just as we're learning, if you've tuned into the book of Ezra, it's a partnership. God leads, but he also asks you to take a step. And for those of you who have taken a step to give, you're praying for us. Even if you can't give right now, we appreciate and deeply covet your prayers. So please pray for us. And please make sure you check out the services on Sundays at walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. You can watch with us at 10 a.m. Pacific time on our YouTube channel. You can join us on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for our midweek service. And we we just really appreciate you. We just want to tell you we love you. Keep uh, pressing on in your faith in Jesus. And we'll catch you next time. Have a great weekend. Now, come back Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Chronicles 12 called Understanding the Times. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.